Welcome. Good to see everybody. Thank you for being here. Um, who's here last week? Yeah? You guys got to witness something crazy, right? We started off this uh, year and just declared that this is the year, I'm going to move this forward, that we would live outrageous lives. And uh, at the end of service last week, we wanted to be serious about what it meant to live an outrageous life that demanded explanation. We want to live life with people who like grab you and just like, I have to know why you are the way you are. And so at the end of the service, we hid three envelopes with $500 each randomly under the chairs. And the challenge was, that's a miracle. Is it for you or is it for someone else? And uh, it was really neat to see the stories of the individuals who received the money and they shared with us what they planned to do. So thank you guys for sewing into this ministry and helping us do outrageous things like this. Give them a hand, yeah? (laughs) So Claudia, it was your first time last week. Yes, yes it was. (laughs) And what was uh, your reaction when you got the envelope under your chair? Uh, I was pretty shocked. I wasn't expecting it at all, Um, but a lot of things led up to me receiving that. I was asked to take some time off this year and really just grow and work on myself, and then, you know, I thought, like, growing seasons are never fun, and I just, I was like, and now I can't be used by God, and I just thought I was unusable, and, you know, I'm like, man, now God can't use me this year. But he definitely spoke to me prior to and said, no, Claudia, that's not what I have for you this year. In my journal, I wrote prior to weeks of this even happening was, Claudia, I'm going to use you this year. Not in a way that you think I will, but I'm going to use you. So I definitely received that as soon as I got that. God's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And it looked like just the revelation of that gift was pretty powerful. It was. It was really powerful. Um, I prayed. I wrestled with this for weeks. I mean, for the week, um, for days. It felt like weeks, seriously. Um, I was like, God, I have a time limit. I need you to answer my prayer quickly. Um, But he was like, just calm down. I got you. Um, But this particular girl just kept coming back to me. Um, And her family, they serve God with everything. And um, she's one of the most humbled um, servant that I have ever met. And she really just wants to serve God with the rest of her life. And when I presented it to her, she obviously saw that it was the answer to her prayers. And it was just confirmation to me that um, it, it was just a blessing that God chose me to be a part of someone's tangible physical miracle that they prayed for. So it really is humbling. Right on. Give Claudia a hand. Thank you. Oh, no questions? Sure. What was, what was your reaction when you, when you got the envelope? New tires for the dirt bike. Yeah. New. No, no, I'm <laughs> but seriously, though, like my dirt bike looks great now. Thank you guys so much. You're such a blessing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I was like, probably like all of us were like, oh my gosh, like it's me. Like, and especially I just give my testimony. So I was like, this is not fabricated in any way. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, in, in thinking about it, and it was, like Claudia said, it was, like, super challenging. Like, it's actually, like you, like, you guys might have been, like, that was so easy for you guys. Like, that was awesome. But, like, it was actually, like, really, it was really challenging because the ideal behind it was to be a miracle. Like, we can all be blessings in someone's life in some way, but to be someone's miracle, that's pretty specific. So, me and my sidekick, Brett, uh, Saturday spent a good portion of our day and um, doing a kind of a treasure hunt. And that's, that was a step out of my comfort zone because... Um, just, just hearing the Holy Spirit and just being, like, super tangible in someone's life is something that, like, yeah, it's like, it was just a new stepping stone for me that I was able to grow, and so we just went, um, and just drove around, just quiet, and, and just kind of went where we felt led, and so we're at a, a store, and we were just standing back, just, we were there for a couple hours, like, at this store, just, like, standing around, like, you know, eyeballing people, and... <laughs> And just waiting and just being patient. And, like, it was one of those things where I was like, man, I'm surprised we haven't got kicked out yet. Like, we look really creepy. Um, <laughs> so a lady caught my eye, and she had, like, four little ones, and she was by herself. And I just, like, keeping my eye on her, and I was like, God, is she the one? And, and like, I didn't feel quite tug. And then, like, I saw the transaction go down, and basically she had all this stuff, and she's like, I saw that the cashier was starting to take it back out of the bags. And I was like, okay, game changer. Um, and I was able to, like, step in. I said, ma'am, like, how much is the total? And, uh, you know, she said, you know, it's going to be 80-some-odd dollars. And I said, not a problem. I got it. And, like, the lady looked at me, and she was, like, shocked and didn't know what to say. And it was so just super powerful and, and just taking care of the whole tab for her. And she just looked at me and didn't know what to say. There's a little bit of a language barrier there, but that's okay. We got through it. Mi español es perfecto. Yes. But, um, <laughs> so... You know, we, we spent a, the rest of the day just kind of doing the same thing, and I got home, and um, prior to that, uh, me and fr Ashley have a, a, a mutual friend who knew of someone, and that mutual friend gave her a call and was like, hey, I actually have someone in mind that um, I think may, may need something right now, and so she gave her a call, and uh, this, the lady that she called currently is working two jobs. She was homeless. She has four little ones. Her husband's in rehab um, fighting alcoholism. They were homeless. They got an apartment. She actually took on another homeless couple and was, like, just totally working her butt off to, like, support everyone. She's currently going to school for, like, to get a profession and a career right now. And she's just, like, in this, like, incredible journey of, like, coming back to life almost. And so Michelle called her and said, hey, you know, I got this situation. She didn't explain anything. She goes, out of curiosity, like, how are you doing? She goes, man, I really need a deposit right now of $500 to get a new place because we just got, we're getting an eviction notice. And, like, it was just one of those things that I had to ponder on it, and, like, I just had to pray on it. But it was, like, one of those things where it's, like, it's funny how, like, that specific number was just there. Yeah. So I was able to meet with her on Tuesday night and, and bless her, you know, from our community and just say, this is us loving on you with no strings attached. It was just so powerful. So rad. Awesome. <laughs> Nick, what was uh, your reaction when you found the envelope? Um, definitely my primary reaction was, I can do so much with this money, you know? Um, just because I'm apartment hunting right now and, and you know, just the amount of what it costs to move and deposits and, and everything else that comes with those bills, um, that was my initial reaction. But then once I opened up the envelope and I heard what you said, you know, this is also a very special opportunity to bless people in your lives, I immediately knew it was a family who took me in. You know, um, there was this family, it's these people that I've known for 10 years, I've been really good friends with their daughter since 
middle school and you know I'm always welcome to holiday events and I'm truly part of their family and uh, they call me their son and everything you know so it's just one of those situations and and they were able to take me in um, since I left home actually around the time of my last testimony and um, <laughs> so um, you know the first month that I was there they didn't charge me any rent so that way I could stack up my money which is just a humongous amazing blessing um, for my life and then after that they just kept the rent really really low um, which is completely unheard of you wouldn't see that anywhere else so it gives me such a great opportunity to just put all my money away and just you know I just spend on gas and a little bit of rent money and just my basic things that I need and everything else can go towards this new apartment which we actually found a really good one today so praise the Lord for that you know so um, that's been a major blessing but uh, you know they they're hosts. They're people who like to provide and take care of everyone. So they host every single holiday. So through this holiday season, you know, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have the New Year's, and they actually do two Christmases. They do a family Christmas and then a friend's Christmas. And so they incur all that cost. And after that, you know, it's like their truck died and also one of their beloved dogs that they've had for 11 years got really sick. And um, the same day that she died, they spent $350 on the animal visit. And the Lord had compelled me um, to actually pray, uh, pay for the cremation. And after receiving that money, I was like, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to re also help them replenish and, you know, after a loss. Because it's always hard after a loss, but um, they've just spent so much money through the holiday season. They've been such a blessing and a miracle to me. So I re really want to be a miracle to them, too, and just provide them with that. So, yeah. Awesome. And he also, uh, <clears throat> yeah, give him a hand. Nick, Nick, uh, I, I hope Nick wins the lottery because he was like having a hard time like narrowing down, you know, all the different people he wanted to bless. But he also blessed two other people and it was really spectacular. Went back and found a waitress that uh, you encountered as well. Is that right? Yes. Um, there was a waitress that, uh, you know, one night we had just gone to Denny's. Um, I think it was after Epic or I think it was just a random night. But Charlotte and I, we had just decided to go to Denny's and, you know, have a meal and everything and just talk. And there was this waitress there, and her name was Michelle, and she was just a really bright, um, awesome, just amazing, really great personality. Um, you know, she just was such an amazing person, and, uh, you know, even working the night shift, she was still had a smile on her face. She was still happy to be there. She was still happy to provide for her family, and she was having a bit of trouble that night because, you know, she had gotten this tip for $20, and she had lost it. And not only that, but someone had fallen asleep at their table and woke up and was like, I didn't get my service, you know, why am I waiting here so long? And stormed out <laughs> on their bill, completely yelling at her. She was having a horrible evening, but, you know, she still maintained a smile on her face, you know. So I just felt really compelled to bless her. The Lord was saying, like, you know, pay her the money she lost. And at that time, I was definitely in a position where I could. So I was like, yeah, of course I'll do it. And so right as I'm writing it down, I'm also hearing that she's going to find it in a weird spot in her pocket. So apparently she reaches in her apron pocket and reaches in kind of upwards and finds the $20. So now she has double the blessing. <laughs> and what she didn't reveal that night is something that she revealed during the video testimony. But she said that actually she was late on her car payment and it was just $20. But it was also her last car payment. So with that extra $20, she was able to pay off her car and get her pink slip. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. awesome I'm really proud of you guys thank you guys so much for being bold with that I can't promise we'll do that every week we'll try to do it maybe another time 
So uh, be sure to stick around, Epic Life, and uh, it's going to be a crazy year. So thank you guys. And uh, that's just the start. Like, I have a lot of ideas for this year, and our leadership is meeting, and we're trying to decide what's legal and what's not legal to do in these settings. We uh, obviously have tax implications when you just give away huge sums of money in a congregation like this, so that's crazy. But let's, um, let's pray as we continue this, um, this series. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for just your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that we can dream. We thank you that we can be bold we can take chances. And God, we just thank you for the ability that um, these three individuals had to go and bless in our name and in your name. And we just honor them and honor just that blessing that went forth and just say yes, Jesus, to more this year. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So this whole series and this whole kind of theme, if you missed last week, I, I think this is our year uh, where the Lord just gave the word um, for outrageous. And that's where the, the kind of inspiration came for the money gifts. Um, but it came from this passage, it's First Peter 3.15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who demands for reason for the hope that you have. And we looked at that word and basically it has this, this inferring implication that it's not just ask, but it's also like to beg and to demand. Always live, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who demands Sorry, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who demands a reason for the hope that you have. I want to live a life where people just demand the explanation from you. They have to know what makes you different. And so we talked about outrageous potential last week. We covered three promises that the word speaks about us. It was, the first was that you're irreversibly one with God. When you look at the scriptures about who you are in Christ and how you are united with him, it is mind-blowing. The second thing is that you are powerful and free. Not just powerful and not just free, but powerful and free. And the third is that you are lacking nothing, that you have everything in your power right now to be everything that God has purposed for you to be. And so as we look at these things, we covered you know, this, this topic, there's really no reason that you cannot be a world changer in this room. When you think of all the resources, when you think of this time of life, when you think of there's never been so much information, there's never been so many resources, connections, you've never had such access to the global platform of humanity. There's never been a greater time in this world to do something amazing. And the opportunity is right with our hands. There's just really no excuse for why we can't live an outrageous life for Jesus. But here's the thing is that only you, only you can prevent forest fires. This is the first thing they can do to me, sorry. I don't know if that rang in anybody else's ears, but I just had to go with it. Yeah, all right. So that too, but also, you are the only person in the universe that can motivate you to be you. No one is going to come along and force you to reach your potential. No one is going to come along and force you to be the best student, to be the best lawyer, doctor. It's an intrinsic motivation you have to develop in yourself. You have to believe in your own self to be able to accomplish that. When you look at all the great leaders, when you look at every single person who's shaped humanity in the world, they did it with intentionality. They weren't like, ah, oh, I just went to go change the toilet paper and boom, the world changed around me. It was crazy. Every single person who did something amazing was methodical. They were intentional. And they saw the potential and they seized upon it. And I've been studying great leaders recently. 
I believe there's a, a systematic pattern that all these great leaders seem to follow. And for the next, I don't know how many nights, but I'm going to take you through a couple of them. I'm going to share what the patterns I've been seeing. And the first one is this. I don't know how many we're going to get to tonight. Probably just this one. But it's this crucial detail. It's that you have to decide that your life matters. If you want to take the outrageous potential that God has placed in you, the biblical promises for who you are, you have to decide that your life matters. You know what's really, really easy? It's to be the president of the United States and be like, yeah, my life matters. That's really easy. It's really easy to be a judge. It's really easy to be a philanthropist. It's easy to be a volunteer. It's easy to be someone who is, is serving the poor in Africa to be like, my life matters. It's easy for someone who's written a great book that's touched thousands and millions of lives it's easy for someone who started an organization that is reaching millions of people to say, my life matters. That's really easy. You know what's not easy? It's having done nothing and still choosing that your life matters. That's really difficult. It's really difficult to be in our demographic, our age, and maybe like life is just starting. And to say, I haven't done anything with my life yet. And to still decide that your life matters. The tendency is to say that I have to do things, I have to accomplish things, I have to have impact for my life to matter. But here's the good news is that that's not the biblical pattern for how your life should matter. The biblical pattern follows Romans 5a, which says that God demonstrates his own love for the, us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while you're still sinners, Christ died for you. Can you fathom that God chose to love you before you did anything for him? God chose to love you and said that your life matters before anything else happened, before you even deserve a single thing. You know what's mind-blowing, too? Is that when you look at Jesus, and you look at how, you know, he did all these miracles, he did all these healings, he did all these amazing things. If you go before that and you look at before he started ministry, he was baptized. He didn't do a single healing at this point. He had no followers. He was just an average guy. And he got baptized. And the Holy Spirit came down as a dove. And the heavens declared, and the God the Father's voice says, This is my son, who I am what? Well pleased. How many miracles did Jesus do at that point? Nada. How many healings did he do? Zero. How many sermons did he preach? Zilch. This is my son, who I am well pleased. Even in Jesus, God says, before you've done anything, and, you, and you're going to do a lot of great things, but before you do all those things, I'm well pleased in you. But people usually consider what they've done so far as their justification for their life to matter. Remember also, too, and this is that Jesus, um, who knows how old Jesus was when like, he started ministry? 30, yeah, which is great news for you if you're 25 you haven't done anything with your life. You're actually like ahead of the game right now. So if you're stressed now, like, I haven't done anything with my life, like, you know, if you like heal someone now in your 20s, you're, you're actually ahead of Jesus. So that's, that's good news. <laughs> so don't, don't feel bad yet. But before Jesus, I mean, he took his time, right? Like sometimes, like, I think God, like, is like, chill out. I think Jesus, he could have been performing miracles at 14. Wouldn't that be a bummer to be like, 
our age, we're like, oh, Jesus started when he was 12. You know, or, you know. But no, it's really interesting that Jesus was as old as he was when he started. And yet God says, I'm well pleased with you before you do anything. Because your life matters. There's one epidemic that ravages our country. My father is a physician. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but there's a generational thing that kind of runs in, in my family. But also it's an epidemic in our society. It's depression. And what's interesting is my father speaks on depression. He's written books on depression. I get to you know, witness things. And I get to hear a lot of dialogue about it. And, and here's one thing is that people say is that, well, you know, people who are, are, are struggling with, with depression, like, they just, they need vision for their life. They need purpose for their life. They need to develop that. And I actually don't agree because you have to believe that your life matters before you have vision for it. It's easy to have zero vision for your life when you don't even believe that your life even matters. The first part is not a great idea. It's, it's actually the central truth that my life actually means something and deserves to exist. And from there, once you decide that, okay, my life matters, my life should be here, then you get to ask yourself the question, what else? What can I do? But when you decide that you, that who you are is enough for you to matter, you'll begin to subconsciously make decisions about making your life work and matter. Let me say that again. When you decide that who you are is enough for your life to matter, you'll begin making decisions, even subconscious decisions, to make your life matter. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, nothing good's going to happen today. You're probably going to guarantee nothing good's going to happen that day. You could win the lottery and like, oh, nothing good happened today. You know, it's only two million, you know. Or, like, you'll, you'll find a reason to be depressed if you always sow seeds of like, this is terrible, this is awful. But when you decide that your life matters, your decisions will begin to make a statement about what you believe. One of the things that I'm trying to live life with a thought is that I want, my, I want my decisions and I want my choices to prove what I believe about myself. I have a belief in myself that my life matters, but my decisions are what prove it. I want people to look at how I'm choosing to live my life and to say, that's someone who thinks his life matters and is trying to make a difference in the world. And it's taken a long, long time to be in this place. And I feel like really strong. I actually feel like I'm on like the, you know, redlining speed of life right now. I feel like I'm like at my, not my peak, but I'm like, I'm on the edge, like almost about ready to careen out of control, which I'm really, you know, like I, I kind of thrive in that speed. But um, it's a really interesting time in life right now. And I'm, I'm much different than I ever was before. I know, like, most people, like, th they kind of make jokes about me. Like, I'll, like, grab people, like, what do you want to do in life? You know, like, I'm, like, a little too over-optimistic for people. Um, but if you knew me about 10 years ago, or not 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago now, you'd find a very different person. In fact, for about uh, six to seven years, I was horribly depressed. Like, didn't even want to exist for about six years. And I, I had every great thing in my life. Like, my, I, you could not probably ask for a better upbringing, and yet I, for six to seven years, just struggled with even desiring to even wake up, to even, like, want to live. My brother, and this is, a, you know, 
Here's a, a plug for Christ Life. You know that we're oversubscribed, but, but Christ Life has like helped me like get through all this stuff. And so I, I share this openly. Like I, I know that this is like pretty raw, but just hang with me because like I'm not trolling for any sympathy here because I, I totally have victory in this. But I want to enlighten you to where I've come from. Is that my brother was uh, like this? All I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, my brother's this, this genius, this math and science genius, goes to an Ivy League school. Never encountered a B in his life. Never even an A minus. Valedictorian, you know, talking everything, going to Ivy League school. He, he's like this musical genius. He's on TED. He, my brother has a TED talk. It's crazy. <laughs> musical genius. Lead in this like rock star indie band. Amazing. Like you can hand him a piano. You can say, write me a song in B sharp with these five notes in this tempo. Go. And you're like, and write the most amazing thing you've ever heard. It's crazy. My sister, not only did she inherit the, you know, mathematical genius and all the wonderful things, never had a, you know, A minus in her life, great valedictorian. She's this rock star athlete. She's on ESPN's coming to my high school. <laughs> she's, she plays professional volleyball. She's on the AVP Pro Tour. She plays on the Olympic volleyball team. Crazy stuff. I like dirt bikes. I got my first B. It was like the first week of high school. Like I didn't even like make it like a semester. Like I didn't have anywhere to like, you know, get excited and like fall from. Like I just, it was awful. And my, my life was ruined at that point. And at that point, I decided my life wasn't worth living anymore because there's, there's no way I could compete with my, my siblings. And every single thing I looked at was just in this, this, this frame of like, here are, are two people that are just so above me, and it's just not even worth trying. They are, are effortlessly multiple times better than me, and it's not even worth trying. It's not even worth living. And you know why I didn't think my life mattered? Here's what's awful about this. I didn't think my life mattered is because other people's lives did. The success and the recognition of my siblings was the thing that made me feel the worst. It wasn't that I was like bad, like I did fine in grades and it was fine, but their success created in me a selfishness. A selfishness that um, just because other people were amazing, that I could not become amazing myself. I, like, I, I moan every single time like something amazing happened for something else because basically if something good happened for you, it means that something good didn't happen to me. And I actually wanted to be the only person who was recognized and who was successful. I wanted to be the only person who got glory and honor. I wanted everyone else to like look at me and like, hey, that guy's like, you know, doing great stuff. I wanted to... I didn't want to just be okay. I was like so insecure of anybody else that was going to achieve anything. I was bitterly jealous of any person who accomplished anything great. I have like an idea, like if you know me, like I'm addicted to ideas, like startup ideas, like mad. And like I have like my life ruined when someone else came out with the same idea, like no, you know, just like, just implode. But on this side of it, it's crazy. And what I realized is that just because someone else is doing something awesome doesn't mean that you can't and won't. But at that time, I was so 
bitter. I was so jealous. I was so consumed about everybody else's life. And I used everybody else's life to show what I wasn't doing. And I had a revelation that as long as I am jealous for other people's success, I will never have my own. As long as I was jealous for everybody else's success, I would never have my own. Here's the truth about it, is I actually hated other people's success more than I desired my own. Instead of having like the desire to like actually be motivated for myself, I actually, the stronger emotion for me was like, I hope they don't do that. I, I remember like on basketball team, like there's a good player. I remember like hoping he didn't score like 30 points. How terrible is that? I like would rather have our team lose and have like the really good basketball player not do well. Because it just made me feel so tiny. made me feel so small. And even when I developed my own talents, so like I'm, I'm kind of like in... I inherited a lot of this other talent. I'm actually really musical. And I, I can write music. I can kind of like, you know, write creatively. I play by ear, and, and I had a really strong musical talent for a while. But, and um, I would play sports. I would invent. I would draw. I was like really creative. But all that stuff didn't matter, and all of it was empty. I never permitted what I could do to be good enough because someone else could do something better. I gave up music writing all together because I'd hear a new song on the radio and I was like, dang it, that's better than I'll ever be able to do. And so I just won't even try anymore. I remember like drawing, you know, something like and, and spent a lot of time on it. And my brother does this, this doodle and it just blows my mind. I don't think I've drawn since. Someone else's success, I totally allowed that to crush me. And this is what I learned is that any of your life's successes will be empty until you can celebrate and embrace the success of others. It wasn't until I had the revelation of Jesus that I am worthy all by myself. Before I do anything, I am valuable in of myself. I'm worthy of existing before I do anything. It doesn't matter what my siblings do. In fact, I need to give God glory for how amazing they are because they are amazing. And when I can celebrate their success and their endeavors and I can actually be happy for them, then I actually liberate myself to do amazing things. The key for you to be able to reach your own potential is to not be jealous of somebody else's potential. The key for you to reach your potential is for you to not to be jealous of someone else's potential. But I thought my life only mattered if I was doing amazing things, not because it was who I was made, and that's just not biblical. There's a lot of pressure on people like us to do things with our lives, to make something of it, to be, you know, to do a good job. Like, there's a lot of pressure on that. But we should develop a strength in of ourselves that we do things out of the strength of who we are, not what we do. And it's very difficult now. Like, I feel like life is like I have the wind behind my back. I feel like things are like going great, and it, it's difficult to not let what I do become my value. It's difficult to not let my ideas become who I am. I'm mean, even here, like, this is awesome. I'm so happy you guys are here, but at the same time, like, I need to not let the, the pressure, to, it is a lot of pressure to please you guys. Not because you guys put it on me, but because just, it's, it's tough. You want people to like you. You want people to be here. You want to be interesting. It's really difficult to like not let that like customize what you want to say and do and who you are. It's, it's tough if like we have a big night, you feel great about yourself. And if there's like a small night, you feel awful about yourself. Why is that? It's because we have this DNA in us that tells us that what you do is what makes you valuable. 
And it's just not true. And it takes a methodical, relentless commitment to say, I am valuable because of who Jesus made me before I did anything. While I was still a sinner, he died for me. He declared me valuable to exist. So let me tell you something. Your life matters. Your life matters. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're going to do tomorrow. I don't care what you're going to do next year. Your life matters. I need your life. I need your input. I need your opinions. I need your contributions. I need you. And it took a long time because I never had someone who's like, you know, your life is worth mattering. And I actually need, I welcome you into living life with me. I never had that. Fortunately, God like intervened in my life at the right time. But I need your life. We need your life. Your life matters. And when you decide that your life matters too, you're going to do amazing things. We're going to do amazing things together. Because your decisions about how you're living your life now are proving what you believe about yourself. So ask yourself right now, the decisions you're making about your life, what does it say about what you believe about you? The choices that you're making now, do they make the accurate statement about what you believe about yourself? Are your decisions proving that your life is worthy of existing? It matters. One of the authors I'm a big fan of, there's a few of them, is a guy named Paul Ellis. And I've read this one, one time before, but he's assembled like some crazy statements about who we are, like just in the Bible. And remember, these are things that are about you before you've done anything. These are the biblical declarations of you. It's a long list. Let's go. I'm going to say I am, okay? So as, as I'm reading this in the, the sense of I am, just close your eyes and just personify this as you. I am a saint, a trophy of Christ's victory. I am born again of imperishable seed. I am a new creation, complete in Christ, perfect forever. I am a child of God, the apple of my Father's eye. I am one with the Lord in the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am eternally redeemed and completely forgiven. I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I am summoned by name, and I am his. I am dead to sin and alive to God. I am free from guilt and condemnation. I am righteous, holy, and blameless. I am healed, and I am strong in the Lord. I am hidden in Christ and eternally secure. I am loved with an everlasting love, and I'm highly favored. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. I am the head, not the tail. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing, and I'm the joint heir with Christ. I'm a competent minister of the new covenant. I'm a bona fide and qualified, chosen and anointed. I am his royal ambassador, a missionary to the world. I'm a stranger on earth, a citizen of a city whose maker is God. I'm not looking back, but I'm pressing on to know him more. I'm trusting that he will finish in me in which he started. I am a king and a priest, a carrier of the Lord's authority. I'm a healer of the sick and a demon's worst nightmare. I am king of the world because his victory is mine. I am as bold as a lion and more than a conqueror. I'm a towering testimony of the Spirit's power. I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am the sweet smell of Jesus to those who are perishing. I am a tree planted by water, and I'm a fruitful branch. I am the disciple who Jesus loves, and by the grace of God, I am who I am. Yeah. 
Every single one of those is a Bible verse. Can you believe that? Wouldn't it be amazing if you could be reminded of that every day? Like almost like have it like on your wall, like, and, and like have all the scripture references. I'm king of the world. Where, where's that back passage, right? And there's so many amazing treasures just in that list. Wouldn't it be outrageous if like you lived from that identity of who you really are? Can you believe that is who Jesus says you are before you've done anything? Mind-blowing. Does that like flip anybody out? Don't you wish that like you could have that every day? I'm glad you said so. So I've been working on a secret project with Kelsey. Where are you at, Kelsey? Stand up. We have put all of those declarations of who you are into a single beautifully designed poster with all the references in there so that you can hang this up in your house. You can frame it, it's 11 by 17, thick cardstock, no expense spared. You can put it in your bathroom, you can put it in your hallway, you can put it in your car, you can put it maybe in your wallet, but you can put it wherever you want. What's in your wallet? Wouldn't it be radical if you lived as this person? Wouldn't it be radical if like every day you're like, I'm hidden in Christ and eternally secure. All you need to do is just like, just glance at it and you're just like, that's me? That's you. This, This is you. I am. And so we have a bunch, we have 160 copies back there. There's one for everyone. And so I want you guys to take this. If you believe in this, if you think this is if you feel like, yeah, that's me, I want to be reminded that this is me. These are free for you guys back there. We'll also give you a, a digital download if you want. And um, thank you, Kelsey, for helping make this happen. <laughs> Deciding that your life matters is the first step into reaching your radical potential in Jesus. The second, it's developing a crystal clear picture of who you want to be. I'm going to do that next week. I love you guys. Come and pray. (laughs) I I actually, especially if you struggle with believing this, and you feel insecure, or as Eric was speaking, you're like, ah, that doesn't really apply to me. You're the one, I really want you to take this home. Even if you think that's dumb, that has nothing for me, take it home. Because if you'll read it out loud to yourself every day, if the worship team wants to come up while I'm talking, if you read it out loud to yourself every day, pretty soon you'll start believing your soul will start believing, your mind will start believing what's coming out of your mouth. So I just wanna encourage you, if as Eric was speaking, as I'm speaking, um, any thoughts that come against what he's talking about, um, those are not your thoughts. You have an enemy and he loves to project thoughts. I actually was supposed to come up and do this before Eric preached. And so I want to do it right now. 
Um, I just want to pray a blessing over you guys. I want to break the power of every lie, word curse, and accusation that's been spoken over you that goes against what Eric was preaching about tonight. I want to break the power of your memories of past failures, mistakes, even cold-blooded choices that you made, and you had consequences that followed those. I break the power of the memory of those consequences. I break the power of every emotion off your DNA. I call down the light and fire of the Holy Spirit to burn that off the residue off your DNA. All the memories, all the words, every interaction. I break the power of the secrets that keep you in bondage tonight in the name of Jesus. I break all confusion. And I speak clarity over your mind. I call down the light and fire of the Holy Spirit to cleanse your mind and to burn off all fog, mental fog. And I speak the truth over you. You are not an orphan. You're a son and you're a daughter. If you've never made a confession of Christ as your savior, you can be a son or daughter. And whether or not you have done that, you are loved. Not only does God love you, but we care about you. There are a bunch of people in this room that pray, grow, listen, seek God, make choices that are great. And when we fall down flat on our face because we made a bad one, we help each other up and go on because you can have a family. You may not have a biological family that you fit into well, but you can have the family of God. And it's a very real thing to us. So I bless you tonight. I'm gonna ask the, if you'll all stand and if our prayer team will come up. We'd love to pray for you if we can serve you in any way. It's just as important that you make friends and feel loved. So here's how we do it at Epic Life. We actually talk in the back and make friends. We pray in the front. If you won't play with us, we won't pray with you. So we just encourage you to come forward if we can pray over you while the worship band begins to sing and also encourage you, if you need friends, go to the back because we're going to have people back there who will talk. Thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next Thursday night.